welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Matt Haller. And today, uh, we're still at the Riskalyze Fearless Investing Summit. And I've got another magnificent person from our friends at StreetCred, Reese Harper, CEO of Elements, which we're going to dive into very deeply today. But he's also formerly from Dentist Advisors, which for those of you who know me well know that I totally want to talk to him about that. <laughs> and we will talk about that at some point, which is going to be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, but today we're really going to be focusing on Elements. So all right, tell us your story, dude. I want to know how you came to being the CEO of Elements because you've had an interesting journey here. Uh, thanks, Matt. It's been fun to get to know you a little bit. Had a few friends of mine tell me that you had an amazing beard, and I'm a witness now. <laughs> it's a gift to witness. Thanks, man. Yeah, some amazing, great grooming been going on with this. It's yeah, not an easy yeah. feat. No, I can't grow it like that. Yeah. Well, you, you know? have great hair, though. See, I got no hair, brother, so... <laughs> got to fight. We got to fight for what we got, <laughs> <right>. don't we? <laughs> yeah, well, I, um, brief background would be, you know, starting, a, I started a generic financial planning and quickly found during 09 okay. yeah. <laughs> that I needed to niche down a bit. Okay. Right. I wasn't, I was, you know, getting that standard 10 to 12, 15 clients a year, kind of dinking around, mm -hmm. feeling like maybe in 10 years I'll have a business on my hands. And I was like, we got to go faster. Sure. Like I've got to pay for my life and uh, make my kids um, feel like dad's got a plan. Hmm. And so I was like, w what should I do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to like go faster and just intuitively started looking at my clientele and trying to figure out like, how could I get a little bit more focused? I had one dentist and I liked this person. Oh. We got along well. I was like, you know, let's, let's try to like, um, see if we could find another one or, or, or another one and, and just get referred into more of the same type of person. I guess I was only, you know, I was in my 20s at the time, oh. early, maybe mid 20s, late 20s. This would have been like, oh, nine, oh, eight. And it wasn't really clear to me. I like hadn't done training on like a niche marketing. I hadn't had a, I didn't have a business degree yet. I was a, my mute, I was a music major, music composition major in my undergrad. Wow. Um, I did, did my CFP and felt like I was a capable, I would say median average financial advisor. But I, you know, I, I, I got my master's degree later um, after I'd already started my practice and that was in finance, but I just didn't have a lot of like formal business training. So a lot of, a lot of us was just like intuition, like feeling my way as a musician does mm -hmm. <laughs> feeling his way towards the, the right direction. And eventually, you know, within about nine to 12 months of continuing to replicate the same type of client, I was like, do you think my family and friends and everyone would hate me if I changed the brand of my business to dentist advisors? Uh -huh. And I thought, you know, they probably would be okay with it, but like my grandma might be mad, like, you know, all those kind of insecurities. And uh, it just worked out really well. Grew that. We uh, have dentists in every state. I launched a podcast um, called The Dentist Money Show, and that did well. And uh, we just started having a really strong demand generation program that worked. And then during that process of building that firm, I started realizing that I had an even bigger problem to solve than building a big advisory firm. And that was that the, it was really, I needed to find a way 
to combine marketing and financial planning and lead generation and demand generation into a piece of technology so that when I went to like events and when I went to seminars and when I went to talk to large groups and when I was meeting with clients, you know, that I had some sort of like consistent message from point of sale, like the prospecting side, all the way through to the service. And it was like consistent. And that's when I came up with this idea of elements, um, like a periodic table of financial elements that would let me like teach about finance in the, in the marketing kind of front end of the sale and then monitor and measure people's finances using these like building blocks or foundational oh. elements of finance to sort of guide my advice. Instead of like, I, I found that like the, you know, my clients, uh, my target client was it didn't have millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. They had a good income and sometimes, you know, hundreds of thousands. But it's a different uh, business that goes after million plus accounts and a business that goes after um, Henry's or even people that are well off and high net worth, but not like super liquid. And so I had to create a way to sort of target the needs that most folks have and make it be a very inexpensive process because other pieces of software were very heavy weight, lots of data entry. It was just like slow and te tedious and there was no great mobile experience. Um, and so that's why, I, you know, I just decided to go raise some venture capital and start a whole new company. Um, and I became the CEO of that business. And, and we wrote, raised our seed round last year at the end of the year um, and kind of got our product market fit this year in 2022. I would say we released our web all of our platforms we released finally in May of this year. Okay. And it's really just been taken off since then. So okay. it's been really cool to kind of watch a rocket ship in real live moment of seeing it and thinking this could never happen and it's happening. It's really a lot, lot of fun. Let's talk about the building blocks. Yeah. Right. So I've seen the shirt. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I think that's really cool. Your branding is on point, which Thanks, doesn't man. surprise me at all. Um, what are the elements? What are the things that need to go into this sort of marketing slash financial plan? Yeah, I think... I really, what I started noticing is that the whole industry, you know, it's, there's very low trust in the industry. Um, we're like just above social media, but well below used car salesmen. Oh, like yeah. we don't actually have on aggregate, I'm not saying the, that all of you, <laughs> but there's the, on average, like people don't trust us. And a lot of that is because we sell them stuff. Like people don't trust salespeople as like a curator of advice. Like advice and sales are not really the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to try to identify all the non-product related advice that really was tied to an objective set of um, measures or uh, financial health scores that didn't tie to product. Mm -hmm. So things like um, your asset mix. Like how much liquidity does someone have is really important. Are they illiquid or are they very liquid? And does that mean that they have three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, 15 months of after-tax liquidity? Hmm. And then how are we going to grade? Let's just take liquidity as one of the building blocks. How are we going to grade that? How are we going to score that in a way that's objective and comparable across our whole clientele? Hmm. So if somebody has $100,000 of after-tax assets, that doesn't mean anything to me. But if I take that and turn it into a ratio, 100,000 divided by what they spend in a year, I'll get a ratio. Mm -hmm. And if they spend 100 grand and they have 100 grand, then their ratio is one. If it's 0.5, then they have six months. If it's 0.25, they have three months. So what is 
low? What's atypically low? What's normal? What's typical? What's elevated? What's comfortable? What is very Hmm. secure? Hmm. You know, like how would I score all of this just on liquidity? And then moving to all the other blocks of personal finance, um, like cash flow and savings and spending and tax rate and their debt to income ratio and insurance coverage and qualified plan asset allocation and business equity and real estate and total wealth. You know, we take someone's total net worth and divide it by their annual spending. That's a ratio that we use to look at total like financial strength because someone could be worth $10 million but spend $3 million a year. <laughs> and that means that their total term score or the, is three years. I mean, they could only go three years at this pace. And that's an unsustainable level of spending for a $10 million net worth. What, what was surprising to me is I was doing all this work for like the mid-market and down-market. But then I found that all of my like really wealthy clients wanted it too. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> because they were like... Well, that seems like it's more in line with the questions I have. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, what questions do you have? You know, and it was like, am I going to be okay? <laughs> like, uh, that's the main that's one. That's the question. And I'm like, well, but I have all this like Monte Carlo simulations and I'm like showing you all these like flow charts and all of these cash flow simulations and mm-hmm. you're still asking me the question. Like, I have given you all that. Like, why are you not connecting the dots here? And what I found was the questions that the people that had 100 grand had were still the questions that my $10 million clients were having. Mm-hmm. And I was able to just put them all in the same set of framework. And I was able to like reduce my cost a ton. Wow. And just orient the client more to the present moment mm-hmm. and stop doing all of this simulations and forecasting and scenario analysis. Uh, not stop, but like not do it as often. Mm-hmm. Like not depend on that as like my main conversation point. So those are some of the building blocks that I listed off. And what we're trying to do with each one of them is say, how would you grade that? Just like a doctor would grade like blood pressure Mm -hmm. or like cholesterol, like in in a way that you do that before you start making recommendations on product. Cause that's the way that doctors work. They don't, you don't show up and they're like, I, every piece of advice I'm about to give you is going to lead to an Ambien prescription, (laughs) right? Yeah. They're going to start with something more objective and then be a con- be more consultative and try to not get compensated through this product distribution and i think that's kind of where the industry's headed if they if the industry wants more trust they've got to go to this place where we're developing an objective set of measures we're not talking to people about product we're not like focused on aum heavily as our like main value prop mm-hmm. it's just got to be a, a, a more customer centric health driven wellness driven approach. I think that the next generation, especially the XYZ generation is going to like want that. Yeah. And they, anyway, that's it. Well, okay. Okay. But that's not it. Maybe a man, lot. You just opened a, like so much, man. All right. So, uh, first law uh, of communications is message sent is not necessarily message received. And it's yeah. so funny that you just said, I showed you the Monte Carlo simulations and all of these things that I, as a financial advisor think answers your question, but it doesn't. Am, yeah. I, okay? Am I okay? Man, is that the all, that's the ultimate question. It's like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. I know, so it's you so just, funny, man. That's crazy. And my dad, like, you know, I did it. Like, so my parents, it was funny to watch my dad, like, always have this damn question. It was, like, the same question all the time. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? I'm like, Dad, you're, like, you're done, man. Like, you've been <laughs> done for a long time. He's like, I don't know, like, inflation and m- markets. And I'm like, Dad, see this number? This is net worth. That's all of your stuff mm-hmm. that you own minus your debt. That's your net worth. Mm-hmm. If you divide that net worth by what you're spending now per year, this is your number. 
Mm-hmm. And for him, it was a very large number, like a double-digit number that was very large. Not a triple-digit number. That'd be kind of like, you know, way big. But like a big double-digit number okay. that was more than enough, like that exceeded his life expectancy. Mm. And the number that I'm giving him, let's just say for in his example, let's say it's a 30. That's 30 years of stuff, given your current spending, you could spend against. Now, I don't need to get into the ratios with him of like, well, that's actually only a 3% withdrawal rate. <laughs> your da, 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 da. I'm just like, dad, see this number? That yeah. means 30. Yeah. This, and I show him the calculation, net mm-hmm. worth divided by what you're spending. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty big. I'll probably be okay. I'm like, yeah, you'll probably be okay. Yeah. But if I introduce that simulation to him, if I introduce the inflation assumption, if I introduce investment risk and market decline, money, black swan events, and then, then he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. But if I just say, yeah, if you had a 10 score, yeah, we're, and we're 50, yeah, we're, it's probably, we're not probably going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like there's reason to be concerned. And so you kind of like start with this like consumer proxy, simple set of scores where they can orient to the present and go, are you like something they can understand fast? And then if we have to go into an in-depth set of analyses, we can do that for ourselves and an advisor can do that because the truth is the Monte Carlo simulation was built for the advisor. Never for, it wasn't built for the client. It was actually built for the atomic bomb. Okay. But I need to pause you there because you know what? Most financial plans are not built for the client. Exactly. Yes. And that's the problem is every tool we've built was built for us. And then we're like, let's just show it to people. I'm like, but that's not going to actually result in, understanding security like no literacy is going to come through people are going to be like i you're it's like that's your language man Mm -hmm. like that's your language i use a 10b2 calculator like on the regular for time value of money simulations because it's kind of like an interesting part of my life right but like no client does that Mm -hmm. no client thinks in terms of simulations they just think in terms of the present moment and what's important to them are their values and the next pro like the next question they have There's always a question on their mind that they care Mm -hmm. about. And so what we have to do is instead of telling them all of your question could be answered through this set of simulations, it's like we have to just like orient them around their question in the moment. And whatever that is, that's the engagement that we should be focused on, not can we just this industrialized age planning where everyone's getting the same thing and the CFP board's like, it's not a plan unless it's like all of this stuff. And it's like, what if someone just has a question? Do we have to do a freaking colonoscopy on them like to give them an answer to their question or can we just like answer their question and how expensive does it have to be to answer someone's question is it like a $4,500 cost of customer acquisition to be able to answer one question not very many questions are worth $5,000 and no one wants a plan no one's waking up saying I just if I had a plan (laughs) then I could get that answer to the question they just wake up with the question and they just want an answer so I found that these scores made it to where I could just show up to a meeting, look at the scores, and answer the question. Like, I didn't have to. And the client could populate the data. The client knew the scores. And so they could, you know, know that if their data wasn't like, it, it says, you know, like, you're seven months behind on updating the value of your house, so Reese can't answer your question. Like, it's not going to be a very accurate answer. Yeah. If they can maintain the data, and we can give them incentives to maintain the data, you know, ex- excite them about why, mm-hmm. or just tell them, oh yeah, I'd love to answer that question. Is, uh, is, is, are you, are you, is all your stuff up to date? Did you put your data in the right way and make it really easy for them to do that? Okay. I want to talk to you about that because anyway. here's the deal, right? You've got all of these, 
financial planning programs that you have to outsource and it's like mm -hmm. eight hours worth of work and then it's so much work for the client and mm -hmm. they're still not getting the their question. The question. So let's yeah. talk about your user interface and the user experience. Mm -hmm. Go. Well, you, you can't, you got to start with this whole system. Like this, remember this whole industry right now was built around the top quartile of 1% of people. Yep. Like we are only servicing like a, we're servicing the bulk of the AUM, but like 99% of the people aren't getting touched. I mean, we're not touching the people we're touching the AUM and we're going where that's at. Cause that's our current fee model mm -hmm. starting to shift. And, and AUM is always going to be a big part of this industry. I mean, I think it'll always be here in some form, but like, the software was built, all the tools we, we have right now, they were built for the advisor to either sell more AUM, transition, roll over more AUM. Like it was, it's all just been really AUM centric. So that's why you have all these modeling and all these like, mm -hmm. here's how much you'll have. Here's how much you'll have. Here's how much you'll have. Cause it's like my investments are going to do better than the old investments you had. And look at how much better we've done managing your money. That whole thing is still relevant it's still relevant to a small, small, small set of circumstances. People are try like trying to plan for very complex estate transitions. Or, sure. And so we've crammed that down market, and we've, and, and we've also built new tools that do the exact same thing, but they're cheaper. So it's like we have old tools that do this thing, and then we've had new tools that do the same thing, but they're a little cheaper than the old tools, but they do it a little bit better, and they look prettier. That still was never designed for the client. None of that was designed for the client. And everyone is continuing to just build stuff for the advisor to be able to sell a service or to be able to sell AUM or to be able to sell retirement or mm -hmm. some kind of like forecasting thing. So we had to start from scratch and just go, what if you were trying to help more people and you're trying to drive the cost down of these questions mm -hmm. and get more answers to questions? Where does it start? Well, we're not perfect at this, but we know that it starts with mobile. It starts on mobile, and it's you. Someone needs to be able to open up their app really quickly and go, "Yeah, it's I, I'm all my data is right there. The, everything's up to date. Um, you can answer my question." And you, as an advisor, need to, be able to look at your phone at the same time that they look at their phone and go, "Okay, I can answer your question." That's as, that's about as simple as it. Now, you need a computer is a whole different thing. Like if you're if you're in a place where you got to sit down at your computer to do something. Mm -hmm. Now that's a different kind of job, but like calling or just getting an answer to your question, usually the best place to capture that is the moment that the person has the question and rarely are they sitting in front of an open laptop. Yep. And so you have to capture it at the moment that they have the question, which is going to be on their phone. And I, we only launched our product in May. So we don't have every feature that we have on our roadmap is not built. But they can right now, you know, you could, a client can open up their phone, the onboarding flow that um, we're just releasing our V2 onboarding flow right now, and it's gorgeous, where you just invite someone into the app, they onboard themselves. Now the question is, how much crap are you going to ask for? Mm -hmm. Because if you ask for too much stuff, they're going to quit. Yep. If you give them something they can do in like less than two minutes, and it's really fun, there's some confetti explosions and some haptic feedback and a lot of kind of... Oh, gamification stuff. that makes it, sense dude yeah and we haven't built this yet you know so my team always gets mad at me for selling ahead so i'm trying not to like <laughs> describe features that like aren't actually built <laughs> we can edit this out if we need to <laughs> yeah, my no, friend yeah no we problem. don't edit anything here man <laughs> it all goes um so uh, i my, my point is you have to start with mobile you have to ask for the minimal viable set of data mm. so i want to know if you have a house but and i want to know what you think it's worth 
but I don't really care if you connect it to Zillow, and I don't really care if you put your address in there, and I don't really care about the square footage, and I'm not going to ask you for, like, mm. I mean, I just want to know, do you have a house, and what do you think it's worth? Mm. And that will be a button, and it's easy, and it's native mobile, not like a website that's been yeah. crammed down into a phone. But that's an expensive design process. I mean, we probably put more into our, we built mobile first. Mm. We didn't even create wow. an advisor desktop system until the client mobile experience was mm. done and the advisor mobile experience. But it's, it, it, it's like that important to the DNA of, the, of this problem that mobile has to be the, the main answer rather than working back and going, let's build something cool for the advisor that then they buy and then we'll try to make something for the client mm -hmm. that they like think is cool. You have to say, no, this was built for the client. Yeah. And then the advisor has control of like, it's only distributed through the advisor. Like there was a lot of like moments of like, you know, well, is this something that like, like five years ago when I was building my RIA, I wondered like, would advisors really be a part of this world future? Mm -hmm. I wondered that. And then I tried testing sometimes with my dentists, you know, if I gave them this tool and said like, Hey, do you want to use a tool and like manage your own finances? Dude, it's freaking crickets out there, guys. Like yeah. just know, like, Wealthfronts learned this lesson, and that's why UBS had a nice term sheet fall out. But like all of these robo advisors know, it's really difficult to go after the personal finance market. I don't care if it's like people with ten grand or people with ten million. Like mm -hmm. the bulk of the population, not everyone. I bet there's twenty or thirty percent of people out there that will always self-direct and don't even want to talk to a human. But the bulk of people want a human. Accenture last year, 2021 report. I don't know if you saw this map, but it's 17 percent of people want a fully digital experience doing it on their own. But the other, you know, 83 want someone there. And the funny thing is everybody focuses on that stupid 17% number. They don't realize that it's an issue, 83% of an opportunity. All right. Yes. You know, people touch their phones, what is it, 2,000 times a day, mm -hmm. right? Um, in yes. fact, we, we were just talking about uh, with a couple other interviews that I've been doing, it's just absolutely unreal how... People build, and I love that you did mobile first because if you don't do mobile first, it actually doesn't seem to translate as well into what the mobile experience totally is going to be. Did. And you, I love, I'm sorry, this just makes me so happy. The confetti thing. Yes. I love that. It, 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 making it so that it's fun and rewarding in the way that some of us, and now I'm squarely Generation X. I grew up with video games. Mm -hmm. I've been playing video games literally since the Atari 2600, yes. right? Yes. Uh, my kids have owned every single solitary uh -huh. gaming system. That's just who I am. Um, yeah. I love leveling up, dude. Yes. I love it. I, every video game Dude, I play. What I was about to tell you that I'm not going to say is like, I think there is, I think there's two ways to bring clients through this experience. Mm -hmm. And the advisor is like the incentive to bring a customer into the experience. I feel like most people, like when they, the, the reason like they download mint.com and they use it for like two months and then they're like, I don't know, I'm done. I did that. It's because it's boring. It's totally boring. Like working on your financial stuff is boring. Getting answers to your questions. Now that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And so this whole thing for us is oriented around letting the client know whether it's through a My Desired Roadmap Vibram, which is a badge that is either verified or not, like mm -hmm. you fall in and out of being verified, meaning the client, if they let their data age yep. too much, they're not verified anymore. Mm -hmm. And so like your badge uh, has different levels based on how accurate and main, how reliably you maintain your information. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to get better questions answered and not just better questions, but better proactive insights to your advisor. 
So as to the degree that your data is maintained, we can launch more insights to the human. And the human can then say from their computer dashboard right now, they can see all of the insights coming in. Okay. Like client just added asset. Client just asked a question. And then, oh my God, client just asked a question. Oh my God, a ping. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then you're like, let let me let give them a thumbs up. Like they just added this. They just did this. Thank you for doing this. Good job. Well done. Come on. If you're looking at marketing to anybody under Generation X, those attaboys are what they have been raised with. And that's so vital. So this Mm. is the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm going to do a very quick, like, kind of. I want people to understand the marketing application of what Elements mm. is, everybody. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm going to say what I think, and then you tell me All if right, I'm an indicator or not. Right? Uh, so, so number one, that, that real-time feedback is the best marketing you're ever going to get. Secondly, mobile-focused is going to be the best thing. And the fact that they don't have to fill out. I was just sitting with a, a friend of mine who's a financial advisor, and we were talking about <laughs> what he needed to ask his clients to create a financial plan. <laughs> seven pages, I 10 know. point font, seven pages. Uh, and I looked at him, I was like, I wouldn't do this. Yeah. He's like, no, I need this. And <laughs> yeah. I said, you do? Do you? Are we in the industrial age? Are we not? What happened to agile development? What I happened to like, give me one data point and I'll engage. Yeah. Just give me, give me one asset and I can have a conversation with you about that one asset. Mm-hmm. Like the, the industrial age folks, that we have come out of, mm-hmm. that we are no longer a fan we of. Not. This is where we were. We created something that was very heavy lift, and we it was waterfall pl- programming. It was everything that we need, we are going to collect, and we're going to mandate that whole thing across to every customer. They say it's they want them to show commitment. I've heard that yeah. crap for years. Commitment? You will earn commitment when you earn answer commitment. a question. Answer Yay. a question for someone, you're going to earn their commitment. Yeah. Dude, and that's so, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, I, I and the, the cool thing about the mobile app, and I was getting so excited, I was about to pull it off and show it to you, but we can't really show it to some. <laughs> so like... If you, like, ours is offline by design. So, like, you can be on airplane mode and you're still using it and going through stuff. Wow. Like, we want this to be something that is reliable, mm-hmm. um, that isn't as difficult to access for the consumer. And we think that the advisor answering questions, the advisor communicating through the technology brings the client in. And we think that the gamification of having your data updated that releases new insights, that kind of future is what is going to create more engagement yeah. and help more people. And, and the client owning more of this process, because we can't just own all of this for people. It's like, it's kind of a, like, think about this. Think about if you send your client a list of stuff to get for you in a PDF with some check boxes and you're like, I need all of this to get started. What does that feel like to them? Well, that feels like you just gave me a big old job. Yep. I'm like, why am I doing this? Aren't I paying you to Aren't help I me with this? Aren't I paying you with this? Are you, you have people that are like, what do I pay for? Mm-hmm. Well, the truth is like that framing, it's this, it, it, that framing just causes them to perceive you as kind of some like vulture that's like, wants to keep your profitability high and you're not willing to do the hard work. The truth is you can't get that data. Like you can't get it. You can't just like, you have to have like either a power of attorney. You got to like have them give you all the contact information for all their professionals, Mm -hmm. but they perceive it as just kind of like laziness. If you give them a piece of tech and you're like, I am so excited to be able to answer all your questions. And all I need you to do is fill out your scorecard. As soon as your scorecard's filled out, we're going to be ready to go. Now you might not have every tax return for every year. Maybe they'll put it in. Mm-hmm. But they can also just say, no, nah, I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> so like in our onboarding flow, we actually do currently ask if you want to like take a picture of a document or upload a document, like you have the option. Or you can just say, no, not right now. Wow. Because they're not going to like mandate it. 
Like, what if all I end up with is of a manually entered personal financial statement? Like, am I going to force them to like connect to all their data? No, I'm not going to force that because what if they don't want to? What if they're not in a place where that makes sense? At every interaction, they have a chance to say, skip it, enter it, manually connect, or I'll connect it through my bank. Just move them quickly. Try to have the target be just a couple of minutes to get through the whole thing to fill out a scorecard. Now that scorecard completion is the goal for the customer. Get the scorecard complete so that I can answer your question. Mm -hmm. That's more incentivizing than like, get all of your stuff together so that I can put together this thing you didn't even want in the first place, Mm -hmm. which was a a comprehensive And it's going to be a freaking doorstop anyway. So I just feel like, look, guys, we've got to get over, we have legacy issues in our industry. Yeah. Legacy issues that have been mandated top down from the CFP board and from broker dealers and compliance heads. Yeah. And they want you to go out and get everything under the sun. You keep doing that, you're going to end up with like five clients a year. You know, Mm -hmm. like people just don't want to do that much heft. And if we're honest about it, the, the people that are willing to do that, who have the most pain, they're all the people in that top quartile of 1%. Like they have so much pain. They're like, fine, it's been so, we've got so much cash sitting around. We're wasting so much money in taxes. Mm-hmm. We'll gather up the documents. Mm-hmm. But like most of the people, they're just not going to do that. Yeah. And so that's why you can't get that part of the market to engage. And full circle, like why I think this part of the market's important, it increases the valuation of your firm. It helps you have way better unit economics when you're going to be acquired or you're trying to recruit. Your growth rate's going to be higher. Your cash flow to AUM is going to be better. Like people that can deposit, like if you have someone who only gives you 50,000, but they can deposit 10,000 a year on a $50,000 balance, that is a 20, like that ratio is 20% of the AUM. Mm -hmm. That's, that's fast growth. And like acquirers love that. What they don't want to see is a balance of a million that goes to 900 to 800 to 700. So just like expand the TAM, go after a bigger part of the market, get a like better looking business balance sheet, commit to less. You know, you don't have to commit to as much to every person. Anyway, Matt, I'm like really rambling down many. You're really not, because I would have cut you off, my friend. Thank you. Uh, But so, so uh, to wrap this up, though, how can people find out more? You just go to getelements.com, get a demo, look at it. Just, just take a demo. Just take a take a test drive. I mean, this is something. It's not a difficult thing. We built this to be intuitive. Get some prospects in there. Go to your next event. This is a business development industry, man. Mm -hmm. This is a marketing industry. Now we, we are technical. Yes, we're capable. Like I've got a master's degree in finance. I'm a CFP. I love having the right answers, but no one cares. Like (laughs) this is a marketing and business development industry. And we got to be serious about that because people are not inclined of their own volition to always do this stuff. And they need a little bit of incentive to do it. So I really like what we've done with our tool that helps people go, that's kind of easy and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have been neglecting my finances for a while. I'll just have Reese answer one of my questions. Yeah. So at an event this week, they sent one of my, th- this is a, a story I hear all the time, but one of our customers is on the phone with someone who for free just wanted to get an answer to a question. Mm-hmm. And we're not giving advice. We're just like, show, we, we can, you can, you can avoid like regulatory advice by not giving investment recommendations <laughs> in a conversation. <laughs> but like the amount of time, this particular customer gets someone on, answers their question, one question, a very simple question. Within you know a 20 minute conversation, that person that thought they were getting on a free phone call to get one question answered, signs up for a private wealth management model and has a 
decent AUM, but pays a large subscription fee to be part of Mm -hmm. this firm. And I, I see that happening all the time where this industry doesn't have right now any sort of try before you buy moment. Nope. We don't have any sort of like freemium. We don't got any way for people to go, I, you know, I liked that conversation. Yeah. That was nice. That was easy. You get them to do that one time, they will sign up. Yep. But if you force them to pay four grand to even get an answer to their question and they got to give you all the documents, I mean, it, it's just like... The, it's like marketing 101, man. You know all this. Yeah. It's just like we're not actually making it accessible for people to try us out and then sign up. And that is how people buy today. All right, yes. brother. We'll make sure that we have a link in the show notes for that. I want to thank you. Uh, I do want to have you back on the show at some point to talk a little bit more about your podcasting experience because, you know, I'm a little partial to that. But uh, doing an amazing job, man. This is uh, this is awesome. Congratulations. And, you know, to to kind of close this out. um, It's about freaking time that somebody (laughs) decided to build something that's actually what our clients are looking for instead of what I need to do my job. Well, Matt, you might be surprised, but you're not, you're you're not the majority. Not everyone thinks like you do. You're a little bit ahead of your time. You're ahead of your time here. I felt that with a couple of things. Trust (laughs) me, starting a podcasting company five years ago, everybody's like, what are you doing? (laughs) What's a podcast? But now it's like, yay. And you're going to be in the same situation. All right. Thank you very much for being on the show. Hey, everybody, if you have not subscribed to the show, make sure that you do. Uh, And if you want to find a little bit more about how you can find your target market, much like Reese did early on with his dentist focus, you can join the Pod Rocket Academy. Yep, for everybody here, including my friend at Street Cred, who is quietly sitting there over in the corner, uh, and all of us here at the Riskalyze Fearless Investment Summit. This is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.